0: Hello there, and thanks for listening to this episode 49 of the Giants of the Faith podcast. This is the podcast where we look at men and women who have, over the last 2,000 years, lived a life of faith and service for the kingdom of God. In this episode, we're taking a look at the life of Jin C. Young, a woman whose dedication to Christ and Christian service transcended her circumstances. She's known as a light in a place that was darker than a thousand midnights, and though you may not have heard her name, she is certainly qualified to be called a giant of the faith. Rosa Jinsi Young was born on May Fourteenth, 1890, in Rosebud, Alabama, to parents Grant and Nancy Young. Her father was an African Methodist Episcopal circuit preacher, and he traveled throughout the communities of Alabama's Black Belt named both for its rich black soil and its concentration of black communities. Jensey was the fourth of ten children and was part of the first generation of southern blacks born free after the American Civil War. She was born into one of the poorest counties in the country, Wilcox County, Alabama, in a segregated world where she faced the obstacles of both poverty and racism. But what she possessed was greater than all the obstacles she faced. She had faith in Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and a burning desire to serve both her God and her people. As a young girl, Jintzy worked the cotton fields by day, and then attended classes by night run by her uncle, Mitchell Young. She was enrolled in public school as well, but public schools for black children were not well run or funded. And were severely lacking. Her uncle, who had been trained at Booker T. Washington's Tuskegee Institute, wanted to do right by the children in his community. It was during this night school experience that Jency realized that she too wanted to become a teacher, so she bent her efforts and her will to the task. She saved the money that she made working in the cotton fields, and she sought donations from friends and local churches. When she completed sixth grade, which was the highest available in her local public schools, she'd saved enough money to pay for books, clothes, and train fare so that she could attend Payne University. Payne was an AME school that had been founded in 1889 in Selma, Alabama. Life at Payne was difficult for Jensie at first, where she was being trained as a teacher. She had to begin each term late and end each term early, because she had to be home to help work the cotton fields and earn the money that she needed for tuition. And she was the only backwoods student at the school, and she was teased and mocked mercilessly by the other students. But she persevered. She was a student at Payne for six years, during which she became editor of the school paper, began tutoring other students, and eventually graduated in 1909 as class valedictorian. During her valedictory speech, which she had to deliver seated because she was too nervous to stand, she spoke these memorable words to her fellow graduates. He that is greatest among you shall be your servant, is the language of the great teacher. To serve is regarded as a divine privilege, as well as a duty by every right-minded man. Do something worthy for mankind, is the cry of the civilized world. Give light to those who are in darkness sustain the weak and faltering, befriend and aid the poor and needy. There is nothing more reputable to a race or nation than Christian service. So let us not hesitate, but grasp every opportunity that will enable us to do some good for others." And as we'll soon see, Jensie took heed of her own advice. Soon after graduation, Jensie earned her teaching certificate and passed her state-required exams and set about teaching. She traveled from town to town, teaching in black schools throughout the region. A teachers in black communities traveled in a circuit in order to keep their schools open. Alabama law at the time required schools to remain open or have their funding pulled. There was a severe lack of qualified black teachers, so they adapted and did what they could. Jensey felt called to serve the rural communities, however, and in 1912, she returned to Rosebud with a dream of starting a private Christian school. She raised funds from locals, both black and white, and quickly had enough to pay for the construction of a building. In October 1912, the Rosebud Literary and Industrial School opened. In the first year of operation, the school boasted 115 students, and then in the second year, the student population grew to 215 but disaster struck in 1914. The Mexican bull weevil reached Rosebud in Wilcox County. The weevil devastated the cotton fields in the community and destroyed the local economy. Many parents of the school's students were unemployed and could not pay tuition, and donations dried up as people struggled just to survive. Jensie kept the school going, but with a shrinking student base and staff, she desperately sought donations from individuals, organizations, and businesses, but she largely failed. By 1915, the school was on the verge of shutting down. In despair, Gensey wrote to Booker T. Washington, seeking financial support from the Tuskegee Institute. Washington's secretary, Emmett Scott, received Jensey's letter, and he responded, The Tuskegee Institute could not provide financial support, but Scott did encourage her to write to the Evangelical Lutheran Synod Conference of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Synod had a recent history of founding and supporting missions in rural Louisiana and North Carolina. I'm not a Lutheran, and I figure that many of you listening are not either, so I'm going to take a moment here to explain some of these terms and a brief bit of Lutheran history in America. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod or LCMS, was originally founded in 1847 as the German Evangelical Lutheran Synod of Missouri, Ohio, and other states. Now that's quite a mouthful, and a very German name, which makes sense since it was formed to serve the mostly German immigrant Lutheran community in the Midwestern United States. Eventually they had the sense to shorten the name, and Lutheran Church Missouri Synod lives on today. A synod is a word descended from Greek, and in this context, refers to a group of Christians or churches that walk together voluntarily. The LCMS is the second largest Lutheran organization in the U.S. and the largest conservative one. The LCMS had been operating missions to reach blacks and other non German communities since at least the 1880s. Agency wasted no time in writing to them. She sent a letter to C.F. Drews, the Director of Missions for the LCMS. She offered her school to the Synod, and the school contained, as she wrote at the time, 45 seats, 5 heaters, 1 school bell, 1 sewing machine, 1 piano, a nice collection of useful books, and 150 New Testaments for our Bible training program. Drews wrote back asking for more information about the situation and eventually sent Rev. Nils Backey, a Norwegian pastor, to check things out. Backe was impressed with what he saw, and the LCMS agreed to take over the school. The Rosebud Literary and Industrial School became, in 1916, Christ Lutheran Church and School, and as such, became the first of many black Lutheran congregations in Alabama. Backey was assigned as the school superintendent, and Jensi stayed on as a teacher and advisor. Jensi received Lutheran confirmation for Becky on April 24, 1916, Easter Sunday. Along with about 70 other souls, there were also 58 baptized into the church that same month. Four months later, on August 20, 1916, Jensi traveled to Buena Vista, a community about 30 miles from Rosebud, that was begging for a missional school. She spoke with the locals, and eventually, Jensie set up a Sunday school, which she called St. James Sunday School, and from that grew a church and school. And people from other towns and communities all around began asking Young and Backey to set up schools and churches for them. And they established schools in Tilden, Tanella, Midway, and Ingemar in Alabama from 1916 to 1919. They also set up schools in North Florida in the Florida Panhandle. Hundreds and thousands of adults and children alike were reached by these churches and schools. Many heard the gospel for the first time, and many were brought to saving faith. Jensie worked tirelessly and continued as a teacher and lecturer and fundraiser for the black churches and schools in her area. She brought the light of the kingdom into a very dark area. And not everyone was happy with her activities, however. Many black churches especially AME congregations, saw the Lutheran churches, and indeed Jensi herself, as the enemy. Jensi was called many names from the pulpits of these churches. For example, she was called a devil, a false prophet, a Jezebel, antichrist, an old white man-woman, and maybe worst of all, a democrat. She persisted, however, knowing that she was doing the Lord's work. In 1930, Jensie Young published her autobiography, Light in the Dark Belt, and it's an inspiring read. In 1922, the Evangelical Lutheran Synod Conference opened Alabama Lutheran College in Selma at the request of the various black Lutheran churches and schools that Young had helped to get off the ground. The school would eventually be renamed as Concordia College of Alabama and served the black community until it closed in 2018. Young was a teacher there from 1946 until 1961, when she was forced to retire due to ill health. Concordia awarded her an honorary doctorate in 1961 for her years of service, and Jensie then died on June 30th, 1971, and was buried back home in Rosebud. Rosa Young devoted herself to Christian service in difficult times and in difficult circumstances, when many others would have simply given up. She's not a household name, because the work that she did wasn't glamorous, and it was mostly done in a forgotten corner of America. But that doesn't diminish the importance of the lives that she touched, or the souls that were renewed because of her efforts. She worked tirelessly doing kingdom work her whole life, and she's certainly a giant of the faith. If you want to learn a little bit more about Rosa Young, I'll jump on YouTube and search for The First Rosa Movie. You'll find a short documentary about Rosa and her life. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless.